the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good afternoon to you. Welcome to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your guest host, and it is great to be with you on this fine Monday afternoon. And I get to be your guest host today and also Thursday this week on Southern California Live. And I always look forward to it and how we can use this time to get on the same page with some things. And uh, whether you're listening uh, live on your radio or on your app, it's good to have you here. Did you know you can always listen to this program on your app through your phone? Some of your cars, you can even do it through your car, right? You just plug it in the uh, the app, the KKLA app, the KPRZ app, or uh, iHeartRadio app, and uh, just look for this station, KKLA, and you can listen right there. Uh, even in your office, you can do it on your Alexa or your other mobile device. I'd love to let you know that because there are so many great ways that we can get together and talk about how to make a better impact in our society. And society is having a rough time with it right now. You can give me a call at 888-52-TALKS, 888-528-2557. I'll be here with you until 5 o'clock for part of your drive or the rest of your afternoon, maybe before you go home. And this hour, I want to ask you this question, what's making you angry? What, and I don't want you to call up and just be mad, but what is it that makes you angry? What really gets you going? And then how do we deal with it? And then I'll probably ask you this question. Is that something worth getting mad about? Like how, what should we be mad about? And maybe that's a question you want to call in. What are the things that as Christians, biblically speaking, what should we be upset about? And then what do we do with it? 888-52-TALKS, 888-528-2557. I've been thinking about this because with these trials that are going on in the news right now, you know, however they turn out, people are, are taking sides. And people are, it's, a, it's such a strange time anyway. I think in, in some years past, you wouldn't even know about a lot of this stuff. But with social media, with 24-hour news, with all of this stuff, you know, everybody is suddenly the judge and the jury in these trials that, that get national attention. And I'm concerned. I'm concerned for the testimony of the church. I spend a lot of time reading how we're doing, what the opinion is of people who aren't in the church. What are they thinking? It's always a good idea, by the way. Find your non-Christian friend if you're not a Christian. Or, hey, if you're listening and you're not a Christian, why don't you call me and tell me what it is you're thinking. The number is 888-52-TALKS, 888-528-2557. Christian testimony matters greatly. And we are called to make disciples. We're called to make disciples of Jesus Christ. And I wonder how far off track we get. 888-52-TALKS, 888-528-2557. This weekend, uh, we went out of town. My wife's birthday was on Sunday, and uh, it was a big one, a really big birthday, one of those that you know lots of people like to celebrate. And uh, so we got out of town, and uh, I said, what do you want for your birthday? Do you want a big party? Do you want me to invite people over? She said, no, I want out of town. And so we did. And uh, I used some miles. We, we, we uh, you know, you have a credit card, and you use the miles on there. And... Um, uh, we've had a lot and I used them for kind of a fancy place. We stayed in Huntington beach and we had a balcony view of the ocean and it was great to cash those in for her birthday and do that. Didn't really cost us much out of pocket. 
And the weather was awesome this weekend, wasn't it? It was just great. So we're sitting out on the balcony of this nice hotel and the, the weather being what it was with the, the wind and the clear skies. We had such a great view of all those container ships stacked up there for miles. Me and my boys, we counted 35 container ships that we could see from our balcony, 35. And over the four days that we were at this hotel, uh, they didn't move. One joined the back of the line. Uh, that's the only movement we actually saw in all of that. And uh, that's pretty incredible, isn't it? What a, what, a, what a mess that is. Speaking of mess, I left my keys up there with the valet at this, at this place. Now, the valet cost at this hotel was more than the room itself, I'm pretty sure. <clears throat> and uh, the nightly parking uh, was uh, as much as the room, I think. And, the, you know, the keys now, the reason I could drive home without my keys is because my wife had her keys. And we went out to breakfast. We parked the van. I said, don't take the van. We're just going to go up, get our stuff, and come right back down. So we do. We got in the van and we left. But I didn't realize that they took the keys out of there, which I guess is the responsible thing for them to do. But it didn't even occur to me. But because you have these key fobs now that just automatically will work if you're in the vicinity of your vehicle, I was able to start the car and I was able to leave. And it didn't occur to me until I got home. And then I called them. And uh, you would think that this fancy hotel chain would uh, have a pretty good phone system, but they don't. I can't even tell you how many people I had to talk to before I could even get to somebody at the valet. And the valet probably is somebody who rents that space from the hotel. It's probably not even the hotel. And uh, they didn't even offer to mail me the keys. They said they'd been talking about it for an hour and and, uh, how in the world they have my keys. Should I be upset at this? I don't know. Uh, And I realize the price of mailing things is going up. Uh, the post office has to do that. I think what's the price of a stamp now? Your mail stuff, price of a stamp is going up to 58 cents. And I think the breakdown is that is 58 cents. That's 18 cents for delivery and 40 cents for storage because they have to keep it somewhere for those extra days. I don't know what they're doing. Number here is I'll get my key back eventually. I might have to just drive back up there and get it. I don't know. 888-52-TALKS, 888-528-2557. I want to ask this question. What makes you angry? What are the things as a Christian... Or if you're not a Christian, call me up and say, hey, this is something that I think Christians ought to know. 888-52-TALKS, 888-528-2557. Dennis from Los Angeles. Thanks for calling Southern California Live. How are you doing, Dennis? I'm doing fine. How are you today? I'm doing fine. What's on your mind, Dennis? Yeah. Well, uh, one of the things that makes me angry and still does is that when the pandemic came, and it became difficult for us to go into the church and to worship, a lot of our popular and major uh, pastors who have large uh, congregations said and, and made it like it was the only way we could worship the Lord was to go inside of a building and have microphones and stages and all of that kind of stuff. But when we read our Bible, we find that Jesus and all of the apostles, they taught in all kinds of different places and shapes, forms, and fashions. And so I was always wondering, why couldn't we have tried to get the people to worship and not necessarily be in a sanctuary or a church building? Uh, Dennis, that is a, uh, you know, Dennis, that is one of the issues that actually is a is coming out of the uh this coronavirus time period is what does it teach us as a church? And, you know, there are, there are different sides to this. Okay. When we came back to church, some of it was, Hey, you know what? We do need to gather. And a big question, you know, for some of us was, do we just 
is it the same thing to be online uh, and watching online, everybody on their couch? You know, we had a poll once in our church about opening up and uh, could we do a parking lot service? We talked about that. And uh, somebody wrote in and they said, well, here are my choices. I can either, we can come into the church service and we can squirm around with my kids and I can, if we're going to have to wear masks, which at, this was early on in the in the pandemic, uh, where that was the recommendations. We probably would have worn the mask if we did it. I can make my kids wear a mask, or we can sit in the car, and uh, I can try to get my kids to stay still while we watch the service on our phone, or we can sit in our pajamas and have pancakes and watch the, the service from home. And she said, I'll pick option number three. And during the pandemic, I understand that. But at some point, you got to come back to church. And I, I think that, uh, Dennis, thank you for your call. I appreciate it. Um, I think one of the issues with reopening has been, are we reopening our churches uh, because we really want to gather as saints to worship together, or are we reopening our churches early because we want to stick our thumb in the eye of the governor? And I think there's a little of both out there. Can we be honest about that? Uh, There is a lot of reason, I think, to be concerned on the one hand about separation of church and state and religious liberty and we shut down pretty fast, and we all thought we had a good reason, but after a couple of months, it was sort of like, you know, I don't know. Um, at some point, we need to gather in person, and the way a building works is that it's convenient. But on the other hand, and I think to get to Dennis's point here, we do not need a building to gather. Most of Christianity, uh, there have been buildings, probably going back, I think, to the second century, you, you Mostly you met in houses for a long time, but I think that they've dug up all the way back to the second century specific buildings that were made for the gathering of the church. And sometimes that's because people's houses were just not big enough as the church grew and houses were tiny. You couldn't really do it, practically speaking, so it made sense to have a a location. It's very convenient. But one of the big frustrations over the years is that the word church has come to mean an address or a building rather than ecclesia, which is the gathering, okay, the gathering of the ones who are called, the gathering of people who are believers. So number one, you don't need a building to worship. And something that I I think we need to grasp, and I don't mean to put it in these terms, but I'm not sure how long, even in our own country, we're going to be able to have buildings, at least the way we do, for gathering for worship. And let's just say for a minute that we lose that that, that ability that because maybe we're going to lose tax-exempt status on the properties, and in which case most churches will close. We can't afford it. Or even if you can't afford it, Christians are going to say, do I really want to be giving a couple hundred thousand dollars a year to the city or the county and property tax of my tithe money? And I think a lot of people are going to say no. Big churches, maybe you're going to have the ability to afford that. You're still going to have to deal with that. But the answer to that question, you know, I, I, there's a constitutional issue there that's huge, and people say, oh, that'll never happen. I'm not too sure, to be honest with you. Uh, But here's the thing with it. Let's say it does. The response is this. So what? So what? The building is not God's house. I don't know where that came from. That came, you know, like, don't you got to be quiet in here. It's God's house. Uh, It's not God's house. You're God's house. If you are a believer, the Spirit of God lives in you, and you are God's house. And yeah, you don't have to worship in a building. I think it matters. You can worship by yourself. You can go into your prayer closet and you can pray and you can worship. And I encourage you to do that. I encourage people to take some time in private worship. Worship in your prayer time. Go somewhere where you're not looking weird to other people. I have a place 
or once in a while I'll go. It's outside. It's in a public area, but it's sort of down a cliff, you know, and I, I hike down a little bit. Nobody sees me, and it's right by the ocean, and I can actually sing out loud, and no one can hear me because the waves are crashing. I know God can hear me, and that's just something I do personally. You might just need to do that in the shower. You need to do that in your house or in your back. You know, worship the Lord. You can do that by yourself. But there's also something about worshiping with other people, other believers. We need to come together and worship and build people up. I want to encourage you, if you're not going to church somewhere, and I know a lot of our listeners are for various reasons not going to church. Maybe you didn't, you weren't going before the pandemic. Maybe you're part of a large group of people who have never come back, and you're not sure you want to come back. You've got some reasons. If you know the Lord and you love the Lord, go worship with Christians. Find a place where you can do that. It doesn't have to be a building. It might be on the beach. I mentioned I was on vacation right next to the beach. There was a church meeting out there Sunday morning. Uh, perfect beach for out there. Uh, in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter, chapter uh, 3, I believe, verse 9, it says, for we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. You as believers are God's building. And as pastors, we have to remember that. A place where, where pastors, you know, we get tied up is it's our church. People say, oh, Pastor Scott, it's your church. Uh, it's not my church. I don't own it. I'm just a steward of it, and I'm only temporary. I'm a steward of whatever I've been giving with, given with whatever leadership capacity for that period of time, and it's only temporary. And it's a good thing for pastors to realize that their leadership is temporary and we're accountable uh, to God for it. And that matters. I want to encourage you to worship. And Dennis, I appreciate your call. Thank you for calling. And uh, no, you don't have to worship in a church, but you do need to worship as the church, the church being the people of who we are. This is Scott Furrow. You're listening to Southern California Live. One of the questions I asked here is what gets you? What makes you angry? We started uh, talking about this a little bit. What kinds of things makes you angry? What do you want to talk about? What are you worried about that makes you angry? What are the things that we as believers ought to be angry about? Seems like Christians are, are pretty angry these days. I mentioned I was on vacation this weekend, and so Sunday morning, I, I go online, and uh, I don't get to do that very much Sunday morning. Sunday morning, I'm, I'm filled with thoughts about my, my sermon and what's coming up. And once in a while, God wakes me up at four o'clock in the morning and uh, says, you're not going to preach on what you thought you were going to preach on, and I got to start it all over, and now I'm behind. Uh, the number here, by the way, is 888-52-TALKS, 888-528-2557, if you want to join the conversation. So Sunday mornings, usually I'm very busy or there's things going on and I don't have an opportunity. I usually look at the news because I want to know if there's a major event going on. I don't want to be the only one in the room when I get up to preach that doesn't know about it. Other than that, I'm not on social media. I'm not checking stuff out. But this morning, this Sunday, I got to be, uh, I wasn't preaching. I was on vacation and um, I go on social media and I noticed something. I noticed on Twitter that Christianity was trending. Uh, and what trending means on that app is that it's the top thing that people are talking about. So there's there's basically trending topics, if you're not familiar with it, that are what is it that people are actually tweeting about? And there's some kind of algorithm that says, okay, this word is being said this many times. So Christianity is trending. And I thought, oh, is this what happens every Sunday? I mean, are like people posting their Bible verses or posting their services? And I thought maybe that's what might be going on. So I click on it. And no, that's not the reason it was trending. Christianity was not trending because people were giving glory to God. Christianity was not trending because um, people were posting Bible verses or, or putting links to their service times. Here's why Christianity was trending. Christianity was trending because somebody put up videos, and these were being sent to 
to thousands of people videos of some church that was chanting in the church service, let's go, Brandon. And the church service was saying this over and over again, let's go, Brandon. My friends, I get the humor of that, and I get the interest, and it is very interesting how human beings are doing this in our culture today and what social media does. But what it means, I don't even know if I can say it. I don't even know what the rules are you know, on radio for saying it, but you can't say it, okay? It's like flipping off the president of the United States. It means blank Joe Biden. That is what it means. And so what's happening is you have an entire church chanting this, and you've got a rather famous pastor there and a rather famous political figure there going from row to row and encouraging people to chant, let's go, Brandon. And he's doing this like you're singing, row, row, row your boat. Remember when you used to do that and you say, okay, this section you start and then this section you start and you sing it in a round. It was like at a campfire, except Christians were chanting this. My friends, it means blank you, Joe Biden. That's what it means. And the world is seeing this anger, this frustration and saying, is this Christianity? Would Jesus be doing that? Of course not. Of course he wouldn't be doing that. Uh, you can't do that. And that's why it was trending. And when I get to talk about anger, when I'm thinking about this and thinking about where we are as a society, where's the church? Do you know how many people that that's the view they have of Christians now that it's just a, a political view? And they'd be wrong. They'd be wrong about most Christians. It's not fair. It's some, you know, most churches aren't doing that. Almost no churches are doing that probably. But that's what gets out there. And that was trending. It was the number one story. And I thought, people are so mad, we've lost our minds. We, we have completely lost what it is means to be disciple makers, to be the light of the world, to be the salt of the earth. 888-52-TALKS, that's our number, 888-52-TALKS. Go to the phone. Uh, Paul, welcome to the program. Paul, thanks for calling. What's upsetting yeah, to you? Hi, how you doing, Paul? I'm uh, I'm okay, but I would say also upset. Yeah. Uh, it seems uh, there's a lot of people uh, suffering from uh, short-term uh, memory loss or deliberate memory loss. What do you there mean by that? Time when the well, when the governor declared uh, that it was okay for strip clubs and liquor stores to stay open, but the church was unessential. Oh yeah, I remember uh, that. Yeah, what what was his point in uh, inflaming uh, people who, who are normally, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, normally law-abiding citizens to to uh, have to speak up about uh, who is he to you know to stamp on our rights and. And by that, you mean people go to church, right? People going to church, they weren't allowed to go to church, um, but uh, you could go do the, I remember the the strip club uh, carve-out, which was a very interesting thing. Uh, Paul, I appreciate that. We're going to go to break here in just a minute, but, uh, you know, um, that is upsetting. You know, one of the things about, and, you know, the courts actually found in favor of the churches eventually. Over the course of time, maybe something to be encouraged about is that there are various churches where, you know, some lawsuits were filed that, that were just thrown out. They weren't really very good, but there were a few that were pretty good where there was a very clear violation of constitutional rights. Okay. 
And the, the strip club thing, I remember there was some viral video of some pastor who uh, in the middle of a sermon started taking off his clothes because it's okay to be a strip club. It was, it was funny. I thought that was, you know, he didn't go all the way down. It would have been terrible. Um, but, uh, you know, that was going on. And actually over time, the courts are, are finding more in favor of, of churches. When it comes to our, our, our rights, our religious rights, number one, we should keep in mind that the rights that we actually have are to be Christians uh, and to produce fruit of the Spirit. Against such things, there are no laws. That the government can never close the church because the church is people. And the government can never tell you not to be a Christian or tell you you can't. They can tell you and they can punish you for it, but you can still be a Christian because you have the Holy Spirit, you can love people. This is why, by the way, where the church is flourishing the most in the world today is in countries where it's illegal. So we should never get discouraged on the one hand that maybe there's some um, violation of our rights, our constitutional rights. That definitely is an issue here. It's something to to look at. Um, there was a time in the beginning I was talking with somebody, and in order to open up your church, the government wanted us to list everybody who's in, intent, in attendance and send it into the state. <laughs> we're like, no, we're not going to do that. I've seen that in some bad place in history. Uh, we're not doing that. But at the same time, we cannot be fearful of that. There's two things here. There is, and I need to go to a break here in a second, but number one is we as citizens need to protect our constitutional rights to freedom of religion, not because we're afraid that we're going to lose the church as Christians. We never will. But historically, there is something incredibly important as um, religious freedom. And I'm going to go to a break, and I'll talk about that, and I'll take your calls, too, as we get to them here in just a minute. The number is 888-52-TALKS, 888-528-2557. I'm Scott Furrow. This is Southern California Live. I'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. Scott Furrow here, your guest host for Southern California Live today, and I'll be back on Thursday also. We're taking your calls. We're asking this question, what ought Christians to be angry about? And uh, we'll get to even how we deal with that. 888-52-TALKS, 888-528-2557. I'll get to your calls if you're on hold in just a second. Before the break, uh, the question was brought up about losing our, one of the callers brought up the idea that we're losing um, our religious liberties. And there have been attacks on that um, during this period of time. And in one sense, the courts have been on our side mostly. I watch that pretty carefully because I'm curious about it. You know, over time, like initially everybody was shut down and it was pretty even, right? So the theaters are shut down, so are the churches. And the, and the court said, no, you know, except for a few cases here and there where there were some clear violations. Nope, it's the same for everybody, so it's fine. But eventually it became clear that if you can sit on a plane for four hours or you can go to a strip club or you can go to a casino or a theater uh, and sit there uh, with people up close for two or three hours, then you should be able to go to church, right? And by then, lots of churches were opening anyway. And I think now, actually, maybe I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure we don't have to follow a lot of the rules that that's where the Supremes have have come down. It doesn't mean that we're not reasonable. It doesn't mean that we don't take precautions or do things uh, that are right by our neighbor, um, but we have freedom to do that. One of the reasons to be concerned about religious liberty, I guess I caution Christians a lot in this way, is don't be so afraid to lose it yourself, meaning that, yeah, it's important and you want it, and we want religious liberty in our country to continue because even with the problems that we have, we're still a, a mission-sending country. We still are a country that offers tremendous hope for 
uh, mission and the poor around the world. And we need to get back on that page and do better in those areas. And that's a, you know, if you're going to be angry about something, that's a good thing, I think, to be angry about the suffering around the world and what we're called to do about it. And because of our religious freedom, the United States and the Western countries, as long as they keep those freedoms to certain degrees, have been more effective at this. We also need to realize that over the course of history, much strife has been caused by religious um, persecution or religious hindrance even, or when the state tells you what you have to believe, which uh, one of the reasons that America is here is because people said we don't want the state telling us what our religion is. And that being said, from a citizenship standpoint, I think it's important to be aware that it isn't just Christians that we need to be concerned about as far as religious rights. Uh, We don't agree with other faiths, okay? And I believe that Christianity is the only true way through Jesus Christ to salvation. Um, But it's important to me that people who are even of other faiths have their religious freedom in part, because if I don't care what's happening to the Uyghurs, for example, in China, if you don't know about this, the Chinese have been persecuting this Muslim group called the, the Uyghurs uh, for many years, and it's bad. It's concentration camps and a whole lot of things, so the story goes. We should be concerned about that. I think that should be part of our foreign policy. We should be bringing that up more because if they can do it to the Muslims, they shouldn't be doing it to anybody, and we should be concerned about that. But if they can do it to them, well, then they can do it to the Christians in China. They can do it to the Jews in China or the the people of different faiths who might be there, and we can't be for that. Religious freedom just from the standpoint of a free people and a free and growing society, it matters greatly. On the other hand, we need to make sure that we're talking about the reality of it and certain things that people have claimed, uh, you're against my rights. Well, not really. Sometimes it's just not exactly true, uh, but sometimes it has been, and uh, it matters. We need to be calm about those things and pursue them appropriately, as has been done by quite a few people uh, in the courts. Uh, Chris from Westminster, welcome to Southern California Lives. Thank you for staying on hold for so long. Hey, I really appreciate the phone, uh, answering my phone call. Yeah. And I may have misheard the question, but I think it still applies. Um, I took the question as what makes me upset. And if I heard that correctly, then, then I guess it should have. Yeah, that's, that's perfect. Okay. There's a, there's a verse, um, in Matthew 24, uh, verse 12 that speaks about, um, because of lawlessness, uh, things will be increased, uh, uh, lawlessness will increase and the love of many will grow cold. I can say from a Christian standpoint, at least speaking for myself, I will say the lawlessness that I'm seeing going around in the country and for the past maybe two years or so, that's what made me upset. And I have to say with that verse, I agree with it, that I, the love that I should have for others is making it harder for me. So I confess that first and foremost as a Christian. I know we're supposed to love others, but seeing people stealing um, and, and the cops not doing anything, seeing the police being defunded, seeing just lawlessness rampant, uh, that's frustrating to me. And then, I, as you were saying some things, as Christians, yes, we should stand up for these things, but if our voices are being silenced or if we are uh, being told to stay home and, and comply and all this stuff, I find it frustrating even more that we are supposed to do certain things, but if, if the government isn't going to allow us to do these things, it kind of puts a, 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 a handcuff on us in a sense. And if I could just make one other just comment real quick. Okay, real quick. Said this, yes, I, I say this with all respect, no disrespect. I just wanted to understand, I may have misheard you, but you said something that to the let's go Brandon thing, 
the pastor who was chanting that or, or encouraged people to do that. I, I just wanted to say you, you kind of, it sounded like you kind of disapproved of that, but you went and said uh, to the pastor who was doing something to the strip clubs and was undressing, you, you laughed at that one. I'm just curious how you battle those two. One is laughter and one is sort of turned an eye to. All right. Uh, I, I just thought that was interesting. So sure. that is my comment. I appreciate you uh, taking my call. I'll listen to you uh, as you uh, as you reply. All right. Hey, thank you, Chris, for your call very much. Uh, the number here is 888-52-TALKS, 888-528-2557. The question really is uh, really what Chris was getting after. What are the things that should be making us angry as believers, but what can we do about it? Or if you're not a believer, you know, what is your impression of uh, where Christians are coming from with things that are, are frustrating with maybe the way you see it? Love to hear from you on that also. Uh, you know, so the, the let's go Brandon thing, uh, what it means, like I said, is when the church is chanting that, and the first part of the, the first segment, I talked about how that was trending on Twitter, and you can watch all these videos of this church chanting, let's go Brandon. It means, it means F you Brandon. And maybe that's not how people mean it when they're saying it, but I promise you, if you were to say that to somebody else, or you were to flip somebody off, give them the middle finger, if what you mean in your heart is, I really don't appreciate your driving, that's not what they're hearing you say. Okay, when people are hearing that other, they, some people don't know what it means. Maybe I'm letting you know that today, but people understand what that means. And it's not supposed to be coming out of the mouth of Christians. You know, we have a president, like him or not, we're called to pray for that person so that we can live peaceful lives and and do our faith. We need to pray that if his policies are wrong, if his faith is not right, that we pray that he gets faith, that he changes his mind about policies. Um, there's a lot of reason to pray for him. I think you can pray that he doesn't get reelected. I think you can pray a lot of stuff, but we need to be following the Scripture, and uh, we also just need to be a culture that's toning it down. Christians can't be just on one side or the other on uh, on things that are you know of that nature. Does that make sense? The strip club thing was whenever the governor, somebody called and pointed out that the governor at one point was allowing strip clubs to open for indoor whatever they do, uh, but not churches. And that's a place where the court started to get involved. And there was a pastor who made a joke who started taking off his jacket and his tie uh, saying that we can't be open as a church, but we can as a strip club. Uh, you know, I think it was satire. If he would have stripped down to nothing or asked the people all to strip down, I think that would have been also wrong. I do think it's different. That's my opinion there. Um, getting back to your question there, the lawlessness of today's society, and you quoted uh, Matthew chapter 24, verse 12, um, which is, and because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. I think that one of the things motivating me for this conversation is that we're noticing, I think we all notice that the love of many will grow cold. And part of the problem of the let's go Brandon thing is there's there's no love in that. There's no love in a lot of some of the even Christian response to different things. But there's outside of the church, there's no love in a lot of places, right? It is whatever we complain about for for Christians doing it outside, it's pretty rough. Let me give you the whole context, though, for that verse. This This verse is talking about the end times. This is Jesus giving his explanation of where things are going, okay? Verse 9, then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. Then verse 12, and because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. 
and then the end will come. The lawlessness that you're talking about is a sign of the end times. The lawlessness that I think we're seeing on lots of different levels today is a sign of the end times. It's something that when people today are saying, I think that Jesus might be coming back soon, or that tribulation may be coming, that the book of Revelation is is being revealed to us. One of the things that triggers that is the lawlessness of, of people. And that is something that we're seeing in a lot of different ways, where certain laws are um, you know, not upheld, where it's difficult. You know, when you, when you deal with the, uh, uh, the major trials that are in the news right now, well, there's lawlessness that's involved in, in both, you know, both from the people who are on trial, but also people who are kind of involved, uh, especially in the Rittenhouse one. There's lots of lawlessness going on there and that chaos that was going on. Uh, this is a sign of, of the end. Christians need to be frustrated with the lawlessness, but we cannot be the ones participating in it. You understand? Now, there are certain laws that we don't participate in when they tell us not to worship God or things, but generally speaking, we are to obey the law, and we are to be people who encourage a society that works. See, our society doesn't function when people are lawless and when the police can't uh, control crime when the government entities that are there in order to uh, keep the peace are not keeping the peace or not able to keep the peace or not trusted to keep the peace, whatever the case may be and whatever might ultimately be true. This is chaos. It is the work of the evil one scripturally, and we should be concerned about that but not participants in it, and we should build each other up that there are better ways to handle our anger and frustrations even when there are good things to be angry and frustrated about. This is Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. The number here is 888-52-TALKS, 888-528-2557. Give me a call. Tell me what you're frustrated about. We'll finish up the segment in just a couple of moments. Stay tuned. Welcome back, everybody, Southern California Live. Enjoying our discussion about what makes you angry and what we should be angry about as Christians. And we'll wrap that up here in this segment here. The number is 888-52-TALKS, 888-528-2557. And uh, let's go to the phones here. Marie from Fullerton, welcome to Southern California Live. Oh, she dropped. All right, Marie, uh, thanks for calling anyway. And uh, you're going to miss out. All of our callers get a, a copy of the Southern California Live home game. No, I'm kidding about that. There's, you, know, you can just go to the podcast and, and play at home at kkla.com. Hey, uh, anger, as we've been talking about it, you know, here's something about anger. And I'm bringing this up because there's so much anger out there. You know, as a radio host, all I have to do is say vaccine or masks or something else political. And you hear from people all on all sides uh, who are pretty frustrated and sometimes super angry. Um. And then there are really good things to be angry about out there. We've talked about some of it in this this hour. You know, anger itself uh, on its own is not necessarily a sin or not a sin. It can be both. Proverbs 16, 32, better a patient man than a warrior, a man who controls his temper than one who takes a city. I like this proverb because it teaches us a lot of things. When you study anger in the Bible, and there are different different studies in this. Some of you listening out there, you have an anger problem, right? You just blow up at everything and you struggle with this and it's a struggle with you for you relationally. 
it's a struggle for you maybe in your marriage or maybe it's why you're not married, you know, and you know that you struggle and you need to get some help. Uh, in fact, if churches were to offer different types of help, psychological helps for people, anger is one of the things that churches need to be involved in because there's so much anger that harms relationships and also harms our ability to be disciple makers uh, because people just get separated the more angry we get about things. But what do you do about anger? How do you get angry about the right things? Better a patient man than a warrior, a man who controls his temper than one who takes the city. Part of that is because if you're, you get so mad and we just want to blow and we just want to take over everything. I heard one writer, I heard one writer because I've probably listened to an audiobook. He said, it's not about not having anger. It's about not having blow anger, but having slow anger. Okay, it is a sin to never get angry, but it's also a sin to get angry very quickly. Ephesians 4, 26 and 27, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. Uh, Be angry and sin not, we often hear. Uh, A church father, John Chrysostom, he said, he who is not angry, whereas he has cause to be, sins. For unreasonable patience is the hotbed of many vices. It fosters negligence and incites not only the wicked, but the good to do wrong. The thing is, is that scripturally for us to be angry is to be slow to anger. It's the mark of the wise. It's an attribute of God. Exodus 34, God tells Moses, I am the Lord, slow to anger. And see, and that's the thing about God is he's slow to angry. He says, I get angry, but I'm slow. And some, some people will say, well, I believe in a God of love, not a God who gets angry. The problem is, is you cannot have a God of love who doesn't get angry. All right, an indifferent God to suffering and injustice and sin and wrongdoing is not a loving God. Okay, if you're a parent and you don't get angry when your kids are deliberately sinning or doing terrible things, uh, you're not, it's not loving. Now, the way you respond to your kids with how you approach your anger and how you deal with it, you can sin or you cannot sin, okay? This matters a lot. Anger, in its, uh, anger is something that when God gets angry, when we saw Jesus get angry, he gets angry at the sin that hurts people or hurts his church, okay? The money changers in the temple, they were hurting the purpose of the temple, the purpose of the church. He wasn't mad simply because they were robbing people, which they, you know, they were taking advantage of economic situations for sure. But he said, this place is to be a house of prayer, but that's the purpose of what he's mad about. What Jesus is mad about is when people take the church and turn it into a an institution that is accomplishing something other than what God's purposes are. This is why Jesus is so angry with the religious people in the New Testament, because they are harming the gospel, because they had perverted the law to such a thing where if you believed in this rabbi or you were part of this political party, uh, you know, if you go through the different sects of, uh, of uh, Jewish leaders of the time, you've got the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and you've also got the uh, Zealots and you've got the Essenes, and there were probably some other ones, but those are the main ones that you read about in the New Testament. You know, the, the Sadducees were, were very much like maybe modern Democrats today or people on the left who want to solve problems by compromising with the culture. And some of you on the left, you do that. You just do. But the Pharisees were very much like modern-day people on the right sometimes, is we get very legalistic about things. And in different ways, we compromise with the culture, but we won't admit it but we become very pharisaical. The Essenes just bailed out. They didn't want to participate in anything. They just stayed outside of the 
the, the system. And then the zealots got violent. The zealots were, were people, you know, Simon the zealot, one of the apostles, he was a zealot. Uh, some people think Peter was a zealot. And one of the things that the zealots did was that they would go into a crowd of people and that they would stab a Roman soldier and then take off running. And, you know, there would be those kinds of, of events that they would do to try to stir up problems and they wanted to cause um, distrust and dismay and really mess things up. That's why pe- people think Peter might have been a zealot because he cut off the guard's ear in the garden, right? He cut off Malchus's ear. Uh, I think we know the name of that guard because I bet he's in heaven. You'd have to be, right? Imagine that moment where Jesus's eyes meet Malchus's eyes as Jesus puts his ear back on. Peter standing there dumbfounded, like, why in the world did he cut off his ear? What a weird thing to do. It's not weird if you're a zealot. It's not weird if you understood that political movement and anger and what it drives in you, but it's a mistake. It's ridiculous. It doesn't work. That's why the Proverbs say, better a patient man than a warrior, a man who controls his temper than one who takes a city. You can take the city, but if it's not benefiting the kingdom of God, then you've made a mistake. Then it isn't loving. It's just anger. Jesus gets angry because he's a man of love. Uh, The Bible has a unique approach to anger. It's not about letting it out, and it's not about keeping it in. It's about focusing it in the right place and acting in a particular way. When Jesus gets angry, he often brings healing. When Jesus gets angry, he corrects something that is wrong about the church. This is what we need to do. What would Jesus be angry about? Uh, I think he'd be angry about anything to do with orphans, widows, the poor, injustice, the different things, the way we, we take things in our society that are, and we politicize everything. Honestly, right now, if the church could do something, if I could really help, if I could, could, and I struggle with this myself, so I'm, I'm putting myself there in the same way. The church needs to help depoliticize things. I mean, you know what? You can be upset about not keeping our borders secure. You know, I'm a historian. I can tell you not keeping the borders secure is a huge mistake. It's the demise of any nation. I think we should control both borders, north and south. I'm not saying people shouldn't come in or that we shouldn't have immigration or any of that, but you could control it. And I can get upset about that. There's probably, who knows how many people are sneaking in over the northern border. We're not paying attention. In fact, the one terrorist we caught, he came in over the border in Washington, Washington state a few years ago. He wanted to blow up the space needle in Seattle. Remember that guy? You never know. And it doesn't take that many people to cause a lot of problems. But at the same time, we should also be angry about the suffering that's causing so many people to want to come to our borders around the world. Like, doesn't that bother you as a, as a believer? You might have a political opinion about keeping the laws about borders and keeping the border secure and being worried about terrorism and worried about gangs or the wrong type of person coming in. Fine. But the thousands and thousands, and I think soon to be millions of people who are coming up on our border from not just Central America or Mexico or South America, but even as we learned, all those Haitians who are there, well, they came from Haiti. There's people who come from all around the world. And they work themselves into some place, usually in South America, and they work their way up if they make it. We should be angry that there's that kind of suffering. And what kind of policies do we have that are contributing to that? And what is the role of the church going to be when our borders are overwhelmed by people who are just looking for a better life, mostly? Yes, there's some criminals involved, for sure. But most people, if you are down there, and I encourage you to take a mission trip, go to Mexico for the day. Um, and go to Mexico for a week. 
I've been in El Salvador for a few weeks. I've been in some other places. You get to see incredible poverty, incredible difference. This should anger you as a believer. And what the church has the power to do is not just down there, but there's poverty right in our own cities. I mean, look in Los Angeles. In Los Angeles, you can drive down Wiltshire Boulevard and be in the richest neighborhood in the world and the poorest within a few minutes. You can do the same thing in most of our major cities. This should anger us as believers. And when you think about it, there are so many believers who are suffering in our inner cities from neighborhoods of violence, from terrible schools, from uh, situations that are just super difficult. And we can get into all the blame and all the academics about this and that, and it can get complex. And then pretty soon we're only talking about the academics. Lots of people like to get upset about Uh, CRT or critical theory in general. There's lots of reasons to be upset about it, but maybe one of the biggest things to be upset about is that we're actually talking about it instead of having the conversations we really ought to be having about racism in our country, about inequality that's something that actually can be dealt with. See, what I'm saying here is that when Jesus is calling us in the scriptures to care about widows and orphans, All right, when James tells us in no uncertain terms, James, the brother of Jesus, somebody who knows, you know, he's the brother of Jesus, they probably had a lot of conversations, and maybe James, when he was younger, disagreed with Jesus, his brother, but eventually he found his brother to be Savior. And James says, those who consider themselves religious and do not keep a tight rein on their tongue deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. It's about anger, right? When we don't keep a tight rein on our tongues, sometimes it's self-control, We need the Holy Spirit to help us with that, but sometimes it's just we're mad and we just spout off, especially online. We don't think about how our anger is impacting. Their religion is worthless, he says. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. This is the place where the church has so much to offer, where we are so powerful together where we can do so much and rise above the politics, the politics of left and right with the court system and these cases we're seeing, the politics of CRT and the politics of the vaccines. Not that those things aren't important to talk about and they impact us, but the way through it, the way the church throughout history has done well is when we have been religious in this way, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and keep oneself from being polluted by the world. When you think about your anger, be angry about what Jesus is angry about, but go to the scriptures and make sure you know what he's angry about because he's not always on our side. He's always on our side, loves us, but he doesn't always agree with us. We need to agree with him. All right, that's it for the sermon today. I'm Scott Furrow. This is Southern California Live. Thank you for listening for all of your calls. It's a pleasure to be with you. I'll be back with you again right here on KKLA and KPRZ on Thursday afternoon. God bless. Have a great one. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.